This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Episode 98, Adventure Travel with Jason Moore. Hello and welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Kurt Linville. Hey, today's show is completely different. It's something that we've never done before on the Adventure Sports Podcast. And so at the end of the show, please do go to adventuresportspodcast.com or to iTunes and leave a comment. We'd really like to know what you think of uh, this type of show. So what is special about this show? Jason Moore with the Zero to Travel podcast joins me and we interview each other. Our shows are both being published on the same day today, so you can hear this show on the Zero to Travel podcast with Jason Moore. You can also hear this show, of course, on today's podcast right here with the Adventure Sports Podcast, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We met in Boulder, Colorado in a a place that serves amazing fresh desserts, And we recorded the show live right there with the background noise and all the fun going on. It's going to be a little bit different quality than you might be accustomed to, but we had a lot of fun with it. Hopefully, you'll enjoy it as well, so please do let us know how you like the show. Now, a couple of announcements. First, our 100th episode is coming up very soon on Wednesday, and Travis and I are putting together a special episode to celebrate 100 podcasts with the Adventure Sports Podcast, so don't miss that this coming Wednesday, episode 100. We're really excited about that one. Now, Zero to Travel Podcast, let me tell you a little bit about that. It's a show that Jason Moore does where he interviews amazing people about world travel, travel all over the planet. Jason has been a world traveler for 20 years now, and he has learned a lot of tips and tricks that make travel more affordable more fun, more convenient, and also a lot about how to make a travel lifestyle part of your life. So if you're interested in travel and adventure, then the Zero to Travel podcast is probably for you. You may really enjoy that. So I don't want to give away too much about this episode today. I'm going to just start right up with the interview with Jason Moore, where we interview each other, and I hope you enjoy it. Hey, this is Jason, host of the Zero to Travel podcast. And this is Kurt, the host of the Adventure Sports Podcast. Kurt and I are sitting here in Boulder, Colorado, in Boulder Baked. One of my favorite places actually make fresh cookies. You can smell fresh cookies baking right now. Kurt, you are from a little bit outside of town, a little bit of a rural area of Colorado, but we decided to meet up. And where did you come down from today? I am down from Wonderview, Colorado, which isn't that far away. It's still in Boulder County, but uh, my family and I love living in the mountains at about 8,600 feet, and it's a very natural environment type of setting. So Nice. I mean, we decided to meet up because we've been chatting on email. I'm actually in Colorado for a couple of weeks. I'm leaving pretty soon. 
and it's always cool to meet another podcaster and you're doing a ton of cool stuff over at the adventure sports podcast you're doing quite a you've got quite a few interesting interviews under your belt so i gotta pick your brain on that a little bit but uh first i wanted to lead in with this so we're gonna do just to let everybody know i mean we're co-publishing this episode on each other's podcasts right you bet so i think like you, t- you described the Venn diagram earlier, where you said uh, like adventure, sports, and travel kind of m- mission, mesh and mash. Oh, yeah. I don't know how you said it, but I wanted to ask because I've asked my nieces this before in a previous episode, and they answered. I think one of them answered candy, but uh, what does adventure mean to you? Because that's always like, I think a good place to start. Because we say adventure, sports, or adventure, travel, they both to get go together, but. What does adventure mean to you? You know what I mean? It's- oh, yeah. Man, it, adventure to me is anything, any activity, whether it's a, a sport um, or travel. Adventure doesn't have to be either one. It can be a walk through a strange part of town you're unfamiliar with. But the bottom line is adventure always takes you slightly out of your comfort zone yeah. into the, the world of learning and having new experiences. And I think above all, finding out something about yourself that you did not know before. I don't think I could say that any better. That was like the perfect definition, man. <laughs> Seriously, though, I mean, I think because it, I guess it is about the comfort zone, right? And for some people, that may be, you know, I know you interview a lot of people that they paraglided this or they fly in these things. I don't even know what some of these adventure sports are. Sure. But, uh, but like you said, sometimes just walking down an unfamiliar street and kind of being open, right? Oh, yeah. It's whenever we get outside of the everyday, I, for the, the listeners out there who are driving to work five days a week, they're putting in their 40 plus. Sometimes the adventure is taking a new route to the office or a new route home just to mix it up a little bit, <laughs> see something new. You know, stop on the way home somewhere you've never been before. Stop. Yeah have a cup of coffee or something and meet some people and find out what the world around you is really about. Just learning a little bit more about yourself, like you said. Oh, yeah. um, as part of this episode, we have a, a little list for you, the top 11 adventure sports that we think are the easiest for anybody to do while they are traveling. So again, combining that expen- adventure sports and travel thing, of course, I think this list is going to be a little bit debatable, as they always are. But, you know, it's not the end-all, be-all list. I'm sure you're going to have stuff to add. If we miss something, you're going to have to let us know. Kurt, what kind of adventure sports have you done while traveling? Oh, man. (laughs) I have done biking, hiking, mountaineering, scuba diving, skydiving, uh, fly fishing, I've done ropes courses, I mean, you name it, boating, lots of different adventures, sailing. These are all things that I've done while traveling, you bet. Yeah? So what's uh, the top for enjoyment for you? Oh, man, I love nature. So I'm just, if I'm outside, I'm having fun. And so for me, it's anything that gets me into nature. And so I always love mountaineering, backpacking. I love climbing, um, sailing in the right places can just be wonderful really really beautiful so for me those are my top things scuba diving i love scuba diving you bet we had a dinner a little bit earlier and i think you brought up something interesting you mentioned the difference between i guess traveling for the sport like there's some people that totally geek out on 
on a sport. And I've done this in, in my life. I mean, I, I love hiking. I love trekking. And I wanted to go trekking in different places all over the world. So I would actually choose locations because I could do that, if that makes sense. So the sport was almost driving the travel. And then we have the other side where it's just something you do while you happen to be there because it's something that the place offers. Oh, yeah. Um, and those were, like, kind of the two things that we talked about. And it is, it is like, a different way to look at it, I guess. I mean, primarily for you, have your travels been driven by the pursuit of that? Or is it just, like, scuba diving, for example, you just happen to be in a place where you can do it? I, I think it's... It's an interesting question. Yeah, it's a real mix. You know, what I have found is that if I go and see when I'm traveling, then I'm left just a little bit hollow. I feel like, man, I didn't really experience it. I have to go and do. And if I go somewhere and I do an adventure sport, I get involved in the local environment with some of the local people, then it's much, much more fulfilling. But what makes my travels the very best is when I connect with the local people, learn about them, their culture, their world, and I get to have fun at the same time. So rarely do I go somewhere just to do an adventure sport, but I love to do adventure sports wherever it is that I go. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a mix of both, I think. Like I said, I've done it with trekking. I definitely went to Patagonia to go trekking and spend time in the outdoors camping and all that. But, of course, there's those times where you're like, ah, oh, we can go into it. We can put lights on our heads and go into a cave. Yeah. yeah, sure. Okay, I'll do that, you know. <laughs> sure. You know, the destination travel just for the sake of the adventure sport, probably scuba diving is the one I've done the most, or maybe sailing. Yeah. you got to go to where the water is. Yeah, so. we were talking travel a bunch. I mean, I know you, you kind of had some interesting questions around travel. I didn't know. Well, yeah, I, I wanted to ask you, Jason, why travel? I want our guests to, to think about this for a minute. I know you talk about this a lot on your show, but on our show... We're why do adventure sports, and often they include travel, but why travel? That might be the most difficult two-word question I've ever had, because it really is only, it's a two-word question. That's a, that's like the two-letter Scrabble word that gets you, like, tons of, you just earn, like, crazy bonus points, I think, it on that. with a Q. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They all start with a, a freaking Q, man. <laughs> uh, why travel? This is... This is something I think that's personal to everybody, so it's very hard for me to answer in, in a way that I, I can only answer for myself, you know, because I don't necessarily think travel is something, like, it's okay if, there, I, obviously, there's people here that either can't do it because of unfortunate circumstances or don't necessarily have the desire, and that's okay. The way my brain works and the way I'm built, I don't know why, I feel like, I felt like I had it in me, you know what I mean? I felt like... I always felt like I wanted to travel, and I think the why for me is some of the things you already mentioned, uh, which parallel what we talked about with sports, is just getting out of your comfort zone and seeing what's what's going on in the world. It's like when you live somewhere, you're just one part of uh, one community and one slice of something that's, you know, totally different than other things that are going on all over the world. Other places, other people, different languages, different cultures. I just think there's a ton to learn, not just about yourself, but about the world in general. So I think for me, why travel was always just to explore, um, I don't want this to sound like so, like this inner journey of, you know, (laughs) peace or whatever. Uh, But, you know, part of it is about learning about yourself, I think. And, And the other part of it is learning about the world 
And I think depending on where you are and what you're doing, those two parts can probably work on a sliding scale. You know, maybe you have a really rough day and one day you learn a ton about yourself because you dealt with a situation wrong and you hit rock bottom and then you had to bring yourself back up or whatever. Or maybe you're in a situation where you're dining with like a family you just met and you're in their home and you're learning about their culture and what it's like, what the kindness of humanity is like, somebody to take you in and stuff like that. So it's just... I'm a little bit of a crack addict when it comes to just, I like to learn new things and to kind of be inspired. And I think uh, traveling is is inspiring and educational in many ways. There's the long answer to a two-word question. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? I mean, you you could answer that question too. It's tough. You know, it's it's a lot easier for me to answer the question why you do adventure sports. But the reality is the answer is very, very similar. It's all about finding your place in the world. It's about challenging your own boundaries. It's about learning things about yourself and about others and about your environment. I think that that's the reason why adventure sports are so beneficial. That and for health, and travel is healthy too. Yeah. Um, But I, I have to stress, we say this over and over again on our show, but it's so easy in American culture to sit in front of a television and watch other people pretend to have fun. <laughs> and Editing will do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of a waste. Yeah. Why not go and do and find your own fun? Yeah. And if that means that you know, you're, you're walking through a desert somewhere in a foreign country and, and having a new experience, or if it means you're skydiving, either way, you're going and you're doing. Yeah. And I think that that's just, you know, we got to break the artificial world paradigm yeah. and find out what's real. I feel like you, you're hosting a podcast as well, this, this desire to share these different stories, and it's, a, it's an interesting peek inside uh, somebody's life and somebody that's driven in a different way, I guess. So you've talked to some really interesting people, and I like to share stories that help people basically teach you different ways you can travel around the world, no matter what your situation or experience. And it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. You know, you talk to the person that walked around the world or you talk to the person that biked, you know, 10,000 miles. Like, that's not everybody's thing. But I think there's all these different ways to travel and incorporate sports. And when you hear from other people how it affects them, I think there, is a lot, there are a lot of interesting lessons to be learned. Now, you talked to a guy that did the ultimate, what I would say is the ultimate travel trip. Travel trip? Am I allowed to say that? Sure. Outer space. (laughs) (laughs) Outer space. I haven't had an astronaut on yet, but I want to have one. Yeah, Story Musgrave. Story Musgrave, of course, went around the planet hundreds of times on one trip, which (laughs) is really fun. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, kind of the ultimate of travel. He got to go where few men have gone before or women, and uh, it was just such a delight to visit with Story He has so many rich experiences, but he was very quick to say that you don't have to go to outer space, you know, you have to go and do, chase your passion, dream, you know, live your dreams. And, and that was kind of the focus of his message that he brought back. And, uh, so that was cool. But here's someone that you ought to interview, Tim Moss. Okay. He did around the world in 80 ways. So he and his he and his buddy decided to do it as a fundraiser, but they were going to circumnavigate circumnavigate the globe yeah. in eighty different modes of travel, and they did it. What was the weirdest one? Do you remember? Did he say like dog sledding or something? That's not even <laughs> strange. Probably got weirder than that. 
Um, they did a hovercraft. <laughs> they, what is this, the future? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They actually, you know, the, I don't know if you've seen them around, but these carts that have about eight bicycle seats on them, yeah. and you pedal the cart, and someone steers it while you drink beer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's one of these in town. It's pedaling bars, right? So that was one of their modes of travel. Oh, okay. Of course, they had planes, trains, and automobiles and and everything else. But, you know, there are a lot of different ways to travel. And we interview a lot of guests that travel um, on bicycles, travel on motorcycles. Uh, We interviewed a lady just about a week ago who walked around the planet. She literally traveled on foot. And uh, just amazing to think about the different ways that you can encounter this world. And when you choose your mode of travel, you choose the way you interact with people. You choose the, how fast you're going to go, the amount of time it's going to take, the expense of the trip. So it really, really matters. That's a, that's a really good point. It's, it totally changes the experience of your slow travel on foot versus, say, well, I don't want to ruin anything from the list, but we'll say... You know, trekking through the forest versus biking through cities and towns is a totally different experience. Oh, yeah. Physically, too, on the sporting side. Sure, and on one of your shows recently, you were talking about how traveling overland connects you to places. Yeah. And when you fly in an airplane and land in an airport, you're just kind of dropped in. There's no yeah. context. Yeah. It's, you get that, well, where am I really feeling, yeah. right? It can be shocking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so your mode of travel allows you to connect the dots. Mm-hmm see the way that the landscape and the culture changes and it's not just over distance it's over time yeah depending on which way you go so yeah i mean sometimes i feel like like you mentioned you know driving a different way to work or something like that i think there are a lot of small things you can do um just locally or just in your everyday life you know to get your travel fixed so if you're not somebody who's i mean this happens all the time here especially combining you know, the staycation is the big thing now, right? Yeah. So adventure sports, especially in Colorado, I think, and travel, one of the big things here is climbing all 52 of the 14ers, right? It's all in the state, but it's just kind of a big, fat excuse to kind of travel around the state too, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, Colorado is one of those really lucky states where I, I tell my kids who are learning about backpacking, you could spend a lifetime and never see every mountain valley in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's endless. It's endless. It's ab- absolutely endless. We interviewed some guys, um, oh, about a month ago, who did a through hike of all the Colorado 14ers. So not only did they wow. do them all, they did them in one hike. That's insane. Yeah, so that's insane. But they How long did that take? Oh, uh, they spent a summer on it. Yeah. Yeah. But just the idea that there's such an, a huge amount of variety, right, to do so many things... But you can't just limit yourself to one state. You can spend a lifetime here, but we've got a whole world out there. I want you to tell me about a unique travel experience that hooked you on travel that said, wow, I love this. I've got to do this. This, this, could, be pretty, this could be pretty hard or difficult. I, I would say, not to get too Freudian here, but uh, going camping with my dad, you know, growing up. And going on a trip where we drove for six hours, went to Virginia and, you know, set up a tent and we were in a totally different state, totally different place. And I was just like, wow, this is, this is cool. I'm like far away from where I live and 
there's all these different places and people, and it's just a totally different environment, different vegetation even. Um, I just remember it feeling like a real-life adventure. You know, I felt like I was a mini Indiana Jones or something like that to go on those camping trips or just to go anywhere on a road trip outside of where I grew up, outside of Philadelphia, and get out of the suburbs where I grew up and just go somewhere. So, I mean, those were some of the earliest travel memories, and I think that kind of stuck with me. And then I started talking to some buddies in college, and they were coming back from their study abroad trips, and I really wanted to do that, but I didn't feel like I had enough money, which turned out to be a limiting belief because I'm pretty sure I could have figured it out some way. But uh, then I started getting the itch to, to go on a backpacking trip, and that first trip of mine out of the country was a solo backpacking trip for two months in Europe, and that changed my That was, I'd say the childhood thing kind of like inspired me, but the, the solo backpacking trip through Europe is what really kicked off basically almost 20 years of travel. Uh, it was just such an amazing experience to be out on your own in the world. And this is kind of, not to date myself too much, but you know, there weren't cell phones at this point. You couldn't, like, Google map your way around. You were just in the world. Didn't, didn't really chat with anybody at home. I was just traveling, and it was life-changing. For 20 years, Bent Gate Mountaineering has been outfitting climbers, skiers, backpackers, and outdoor enthusiasts with the gear they need. Whether climbing an 8,000-meter peak or buying your first backcountry ski setup, Bent Gate is here to help. Bent Gate is continuing to offer free BC 101 sessions this winter, teaching backcountry ski boot and binding setup, avi safety and beacon practice, clothing systems, and tips and tricks to make your days more enjoyable. If you don't own the gear, Bent Gate offers a full range of rental and demo equipment. Bent Gate also has free demo ski days at local resorts to give you a chance for hands-on experience. Be sure to check bentgate.com for our full product selection as well as updates on all these events. It's Tim Emmett. I'm a professional climber and wingsuit pilot. I really enjoy public speaking and I've spoken at schools, events and businesses all over the world. I believe that you can change the way you feel by changing what you think about and using lessons learned from a world in extreme sports. If you're looking for someone lively to brighten up your event and maybe expand your concept of possibility, send me an email to tim at timemmett.com. That's T-I-M at T-I-M-E-M-M-E-T-T dot C-O-M. Thanks a lot. What would you say in all your travels, because you've been a lot of places, what would you say is is one of the best adventure sport destinations? If you were to go somewhere to be adventurous. That's a great question. Right? Um, where would you go? This, we could have actually made a list of destinations. Maybe we'll have to do that we'll do another that. time. Yeah. Um, so if you want to get like a specific town, Pukan, Chile is known kind of as an adventure sports hub. Um you can climb a vol- like I climbed the volcano there where you can actually look into the volcano and see lava, which is nice. super dangerous because it can come flying out at you at any time. That was amazing. Patagonia in general, the whole region of, in South America, and 
I was doing a lot of working, work, traveling around the U.S., managing events, and I would work every summer. And finally, I was just like, I just want to spend a summer like hiking and camping and doing all the stuff that I don't get to do because I'm working in the summer because the event season usually runs in the summer. So I decided to go down to Patagonia where it was summer, November through February, and went buck wild, Kurt. We did like anything and everything. I was with my girl at the time. We did anything and everything we wanted. We were rafting, you know, hiking, biking, um, just any type of sport. We would just basically get to a town, uh, figure out a trek we were going to do or some outdoor adventure activity, go do it for like one day, three days, five days, whatever it was. Come back to town, relax, like have a couple beers, have some good meals, maybe travel to the next town and restart start the whole cycle and we just did that for like three and a half months basically nice. it was awesome yeah how cool is that <laughs> so that's another great place and of course you know surf breaks in various places for that sport so it can be sports specific too but i think patagonia has such an incredible outdoor outdoor offerings i guess as does colorado's reason i moved here oh yeah you, you know? can't discount colorado no. home sweet home <laughs> So tell us about a time that things did not go right. This is one of my favorite questions that we ask yeah. because kind of it captures the spirit of adventure. Yeah. Because when everything goes as planned, you nobody have to wants question, to hear. You know, what is nobody that? Nobody wants to hear about right? that. No. But it also helps people to get a better feel for what they should do if things don't go right. So tell us about a time that things didn't go right and how you got out of the mess you were in. <laughs> well, there's a lot of times that things don't go right. Um, I guess it define. It, it depends on how you define what going right means to you because there is I feel like I've been in certain situations where I've crumbled quickly for no reason other than mental weakness at that moment and other situations that have been super extreme and you would think like oh my god this is terrible like we missed this train now we have to sleep in the train station like we don't have food and all this stuff but like totally at peace with it because the mindset was right you know Mm. so I think this question comes down to where your mind's at when things happen and then how much you control uh, you let the external circumstances control your mood you know what I mean so when I get on a bus to ride 22 hours on a bus like yeah sure that's not fun but you you get into the mindset to do it and you you can make it fun I think so I'm not saying like there are no such thing as bad things I'm not like rah 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 like nothing bad ever happens Um, but Handling the way you handle those bad things is, I think, what uh, can define your travel experience, essentially. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that being said, I almost got jumped by about 11 guys in a park in Spain on my first trip, my first week into my first trip. Ouch. Um, so I, I, I learned a lesson pretty quickly there uh, to not stray too far from a lighted path at 3 in the morning when you should kind of just stick to, you know, the main areas. (laughs) Got out of that one. Um, But that definitely shook me up, and that changed uh, that trip for better because I was just a little bit more cautious and on edge. Uh, In Patagonia, I was at an internet cafe. I had my entire bag swiped, stolen from me. So I have stuff stolen, different places. Um, But again, that's, it's stuff, you know? What does it really matter? Um, Trying to think, like, Related to adventure sports, um, there's definitely been times where I felt a little panicked on treks down in Argentina where, you know, we don't have crampons. We're not totally 
equipped for most of the trail was okay, but then you get to one part where you're like, okay, we have to walk along this knife's edge snow thing now. Snow thing, a.k.a. the ridge of a mountain, where if you fall off to either side, you're going to go sliding down for a, a little, nice long ride that hopefully doesn't end in a broken leg. Right. Um, so, you know, walking on little stretches like that, dodgy trails and different things where uh, at that moment you feel like this this could be the worst thing that ever happens to me but mm. thankfully it's, it's ended up being okay I hope that answers your question I mean I, I, I guess I have a lot of examples where bad things have happened but um, but those are the things that like make you who you are right oh yeah and it seems to me it's often the, the challenging moments that live the longest in your mind yeah and in the end they turn out to be good I mean a quick laundry list um, we got caught in a storm in a 12-foot inflatable boat in off the coast of Key West about 12 miles out. It was getting dark, and the waves were coming in 10 feet tall, and this boat's way too small. And I, di- I didn't know if we were ever going to see shore again, you know. Yeah. You know, but that's one of the best memories of my life now because I yeah. look back and, wow, you know, there was another time in Kenya when we were actually on the rim of a caldera, and... Uh, it was near Nakuru, if I remember correctly, and one of the guys I was with said, I'm going in, and he took off. And the, the other people were like, no way, we're not going down there. You know, there were grass fires because the, the caldera was hot enough that it was igniting grass, and so the grass fire sweeping across this caldera, and he's running down into it. And I thought, well, he can't go down there by himself. So long story short, we both end up in this volcano, and... <laughs> And we're dodging the grass fires and the smoke's blowing. This is not just any grass. This is the type of six-foot like tall scene out of a, savannah. Like one of those disaster movies. Oh, it was, it was insane. <laughs> and at the time, I'm just trying to get him out of there in one piece. And uh, I didn't need to. He could take care of himself. Right. But long story short, why am I telling you this story? Because that's what I remember. Right, right. You know? Yeah. I don't know if the people that were still up on the rim, if they have a story to tell and if they remember anything about it. But we remember that. Because yeah, we got absolutely. in there, we got a little crazy, and, and it was cool. It's funny, and you said, I've said that on the podcast before, like, uh, kind of a similar, that's a crazy story, by the way, dodging fires and being in it a was, volcano and all not, that stuff. That's pretty, that's pretty no. intense. Um, no, just that, I, I kind of lost my train of thought there, Kurt. To be honest with you, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, I'm sure I'll circle back to that. Um Oh, just that, you know, the stories you tell when you come back, even when they're happening, I've said this before, I'm always thinking, that this is going to make a great story later. You know, I'm thinking it in that moment because I'm, like, basically saying, this sucks, but this is going to be a great story later. So (laughs) it helps cushion the blow, I think, a little bit. (laughs) In real time, anyway. It gives you a reason to keep on going so you have a story to tell. Yeah, sure. That's crazy. Absolutely. Well, here's another one of my favorite questions. What is one of the very coolest things that you've done? That's so tough because what do you mean by thing? Like activity? Are we talking sports here? or? I, it, this is a, a adventure travel combined yeah. podcast. So let's, let's put it into that realm. Yeah, sure. Adventure travel wise. I have to say that some destinations, although you hear about them a lot... You think, oh, well, it's just, you know, it's probably crowded with tourists and everything like that. But if you go to someplace like the Inca Trail, you know, and you hike for four days and you get to Machu Picchu when the sun's rising, Mm. 
it's pretty freaking epic, you know? <laughs> and just to go along with the adventure, adventure travel, adventure sports, kind of combining those things, I think some of the most rewarding times, definitely some of the most rewarding times when I'm traveling is when I participate in some kind of physical activity and you feel like you quote-unquote earned your way there you know what i mean like you somehow had to work and then you earned the sunset or you earned the good surf ride because you've been in the ocean for two hours just been getting crushed you know what i mean oh yeah absolutely i think a lot of uh people that ski in colorado would understand this one i interviewed greg floyd uh, just a couple weeks back and we were talking about earning your turns where you you hike up you skin up and ski down and uh you might not get more than a run or two in in a day, but those runs hold a, a special sense to them you don't get when you took the lift up. Right. Because you earned it. And I know exactly what you're talking about. When you get out there and you know that you've pushed the limits a little bit and done something more extreme and you realize there aren't that many people who get to have this experience. Yeah. And you just it, it creates a, a feeling of gratitude. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Or mountaineering is you know, something we're probably going to talk about in a minute. Uh, you leave at night with a headlamp on. You get up to the top of a mountain while the sun's rising. Again, another one of those moments where you're just like, hey, it's like maybe you're by yourself, maybe with just a few people, and there's only a few people in the whole world standing there watching that right now, and you you had to walk nine hours to get there or whatever. It's a, right. it's a really satisfying feeling, and I definitely try to incorporate adventure sports into my travel as much as possible because it keeps things interesting whether you're doing it for that or you're just finding it along the way um it's really fun to try new things and i always encourage people like it's like scary the first time you try something but shoot you're if you're in a place that's known for x activity even if you totally suck at it for a day, it's still pretty cool to go give it a, a try, right? Oh, sure, you bet. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, should we move into this list? Yeah, let's go for it. There's going to be some debate here, though. Absolutely. But... I actually I had to add a couple things while we were just Uh-oh, talking. here we go. Uh, I think it's turning into a... I'd say it's turning into a 13 list, the top 13 traveling adventure sports. And we kind of ranked these in terms of Say you're, you're, you're traveling and you're going around and you're just going to kind of randomly do these things, right? Like how much planning needs to be done versus like how easy are these things to kind of try out while you're traveling or just to get into. That's kind of how we ranked this. Again, there was – this is up for debate obviously. So And, and we're, I'm sure we're missing stuff. But, hey, we put these lists together because they're fun. Oh, yeah. Right? So sure. It's meant to be fun. So at number – see, I'm going to say number 13 now we have – Sailing. <laughs> sailing. Well, for the obvious reasons at the end, I mean, you can't always come across a sailboat that easily, right? <laughs> well, you have to be where water is. That's important. Right. I think that sailing takes quite a bit of planning. So it's something that you just randomly do because you happen somewhere, unless you rent that little Hobie cat, right, <laughs> and go out for a couple of hours. So you can do that. But if you actually want to get on a, a sailboat, you've got to charter the thing. It takes some time. Sailing something that I've always thought would be pretty fun to like to do a proper you know go down in the caribbean and sail from island to island like you know crew what do they call it crew it i don't even know i don't even know sailing terminology this is why i haven't done it <laughs> well we did it in the san juan islands up in the pacific northwest once and it was a delightful time but we had to charter the boat we did have to bring someone to 
to captain the ship, so to speak, because we didn't have enough experience for them to give us a $100,000 vessel to just take off with, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it does take planning, some sure. coordination. So that's not a real easy one to just do off the cuff. But it's a great destination trip. That's true, yeah. And I know the airlines don't usually check my let me check my sailboat. So that's, <laughs> that's also an issue. Let's move in to number 12, which is... We should just categorize this as anything with the word gliding in it. <laughs> hang gliding. gliding. Hang gliding. Paragliding. What you else? Bet. What other glidings are there? There's just gliding, right? That's a whole other thing, too. Sure, you bet. Um, There's... But I guess people travel to hang glide in different places. I know it's a popular thing to do in Brazil, off the, the famous mountain peaks oh, yeah. there near Rio. So people who are already hang gliders go to destinations where either it's scenically amazing or it's just renowned for the amazing hang gliding that's there or paragliding that's there but there are places where you can go and try it for the first time and have a great time and I learned a lot about this um, from Doug Haber that we've interviewed on the show and he worked at Kitty Hawk Kites in the uh, Outer Banks of North Carolina. They have sand dunes there, they have the perfect ocean breeze and they've taught thousands upon thousands upon thousands. He's coached over 40,000 flights Mm. and they um, hang on to the hang glider. They teach you how to fly, but they keep you from crashing yourself. Yeah. You get a few feet off the ground and find out what it's like to float. So that's something that you can do in a half day just because yeah. you're you're somewhere near Kitty Hawk. We were in uh, Pokhara, Nepal, my wife and I, last year. And that's a, a popular place for whatever the updraft they have there, up above the Himalayas in this one section. Um, I guess that would be, was that parasailing some of these adventure sports i don't even know is that paragliding paragliding yeah they were doing that and there were probably i don't know 40 of them you just saw a swirling mass of all i was like how are they not hitting each other but it was pretty far away but that was uh that looked pretty cool I, i have never tried that have you almost but not yet yeah yeah paragliding is one that i want to do it's uh it's a little bit testier than I thought it was. The more I've learned about it, it really, really depends on the weather. And uh, I think that paragliding is cool because you can do a tandem paraglide, and the amount of instruction that's required for it is minimal. 20 minutes, you're ready to fly because you have an instructor there that's that's taking you. So yeah. it's something that you can do, yeah. you know, just because it's Budget where permitting. you are. Budget oh, permitting. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move into number 11, scuba diving. Scuba diving. Now, scuba diving is obviously a destination sport for a lot of people, yeah. especially in Colorado here. People get certified. They they practice. They gear up. They go on trips that are just centered on where they're going to dive. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be that way, mm-hmm. right? Scuba diving is one of these things where you can be somewhere where there's water, and they have, like, these half-day try it out discovery type scuba dives an instructor will take you in shallow water and show you how to use the gear and you get to you know swim around with some fish and see if you like it or not it's affordable it doesn't take that much time so you can but if you commit to the sport you can turn it into a lifelong hobby yeah we have it a little higher in the list just because i think of the equipment involved and certifications of course i will share a couple tips i know as at least of fairly recently Honduras is a, a popular place to go where it's very inexpensive to get certified for scuba. So that's a popular place. And, of course, there's a lot of diving in Belize, which I've done some uh, snorkeling there. But they have a lot of famous diving areas. So I think 
that could be that's a cool thing. Like if you're serious about scuba diving, I've heard a lot of people going down to Honduras, getting certified, and then you know traveling through Central America and kind of doing a lot of scuba diving there. And of course, Southeast Asia is I think a pretty affordable place to do it as well. Number ten, skydiving. Skydiving. This is another one where you have to be certified if you want to do it on your own, but you can also do a tandem dive. And once, you know, that's a little bit of ground school, go up in a plane, jump out with someone who knows what they're doing. Speaking of adventure sports, there go the mountain bikers. Oh, yeah. That's the, uh, the Boulder Cruiser ride going by. So we should explain this because they are making a racket, if you can hear it. Every Thursday night in the summer in Boulder, about 100 people, looks like right now, oh, yeah. get on bikes and just cruise around town and make a big racket and take a big long bike ride and then end up usually at a pub afterwards party. So. <laughs> a great way to meet people. That's, That's going to be an honorable mention on this list. Yeah. <laughs> the Boulder bike cruiser ride. There you go. <laughs> All right. So we were in skydiving. Skydiving, yeah. yeah. I, I've never done it. Uh, I think that's because I've done bungee jumping. So I'm going to we're gonna say slash bungee jumping here. Why not? Um, I don't know. I haven't had a huge desire to go skydiving. I don't know why. You know, I did do it, and it was an experience of a lifetime. Skydiving takes a lot of commitment. And so for me, I thought I'm going to do other stuff first, but I did do a tandem dive, and it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. It's And it is something that you can do anywhere. And people who are really into skydiving, they travel to competitions all over the world. They dive in amazing locations, and they get the bird's eye view. Is, is past tense sky dove? Can you, can you say that? <laughs> I don't even know. I'm staying away from those tenses. Number nine. We kind of lumped these together here. Mountaineering slash rock climbing. Because there is sometimes an element of rock climbing involved with mountaineering. But I think we're, we have mountaineering higher on the list. Because if you're tackling a serious mountain, it does involve some proper gear. Yet, I've found... When you travel to places where there are a lot of famous peaks to climb or there are some things that, you know, that are accessible for even the everyday person to climb, there's always going to be an outfitter that will rent you gear. Like the, the volcano I mentioned in Chile, you know, they, you just basically do a trip. They give you, like, the ice axe. They give you the crampons. They give you everything you need to get to the top and make sure you're safe in case something happens. So I find that it, I think on your own it can be difficult, but depending on where you are, if it offers it as a popular thing to do, then you can always find the gear and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think if you're going to do a spur-of-the-moment trip, then definitely you're going to be going some places that are not as epic but maybe as beautiful anyway, yeah. right? Yeah. So you might not be climbing that, that 5'11 wall, but at the same time you can get out there and, and enjoy nature. So I, I think mountaineering is a fantastic travel sport. I yeah. really do. Same here. I think this falls a lot into the camp of the group of people that go like love the sport and then go places just to do it in different places rather than the people that just show up and say hey i'm gonna i'm gonna try climbing this mountain i think it's uh probably more people that are mountain climbers and then travel to go do it than just land somewhere and randomly do it oh sure and then they're the the people that make a a lifetime of it like jerry roach that we interviewed who's climbed over two thousand peaks he's been all over the the world he's done the seven summits and and he's just had an amazing time. Tim Emmett, who's a, a technical rock climber who's sponsored and has been all over the world climbing and base jumping and using speed suits and all that kind of stuff. These people make a, a lifestyle out of it. 
but you can just go climb something because you have a day. Yeah, and that's true, and I've definitely done that. I think so. There are some sports we should say, like you just mentioned, base jumping. Sorry, we didn't put base jumping on the list. It's just a little too. It's not like we're not extreme guys, but you know, you had to cut the list somewhere. I mean, base jumping. Jeez, I don't even know somebody who's done it personally. I haven't even met a base jumper. It's not um, what you do when you're traveling. If you're not already a yeah. base jumper, don't yeah. try it because they're doing it hey, there. I'm going to try base jumping today. <laughs> Winter is just around the corner. Do you have the outdoor performance wear that you need? Shed the layers and keep the warmth with Sport Hill Performance running, skiing, and outdoor apparel. Sport Hill gear is worn by Olympic champions and elite athletes. Independently owned since 1985, Sport Hill is passionate about clothing for the sports you love. The 180 Flame is the ideal alternative to bulky and fragile gas-burning camp stoves. The 180 Flame utilizes fewer parts with minimal weight and maximized reliability. The locking tab and slot design means there are no hinges, welds, or rivets to fail you in the field. Cook your food and boil water quickly using only small amounts of natural fuels including twigs, grass, pine cones, and leaves. Weighing just 6.4 ounces, the 180 Flame is the ideal alternative to a backpacking stove. You can find your new Flame at 180tac.com or a retailer near you. 180 Flame. Think big, pack small. Number eight, you mentioned motorcycling or overlanding via motorcycle. Now, I wanted to ask you a question on this because we put it on the list, but is motorcycling, motor, motorcycling considered an adventure sport in your opinion? You know what? It is. Now, there are different degrees of motorcycling, right? you got the people that are doing the crazy motorcycle stunts and really pushing the sport, but there are other people who found it to be a favored mode of travel. Yeah. And what's interesting is when you get into it a little bit, you have to have the right bike for the conditions. And if you don't, you get way more adventure than you bargained for, right? Not all motorcycles go anywhere. And the motorcycles that do go anywhere are lousy on the highway, so you don't want to take them around the world. But there are a lot of people that have gone on epic adventures by jumping on a motorcycle. And I grew up riding motorcycles. So for me, it's it wasn't something I had to learn later. But recently, I was with a group of adults that were trying to learn to ride a motorcycle for the first time. And you know what? They were having one heck of an adventure. Yeah. And it was amazing. It's something you have to grow into and learn a lot about. I think, I think that motorcycling around the world is, is epic. Yeah, I mean, I think that's more of an ad- a travel adventure than it is an adventure sport, personally. Yep. That's my yep. opinion. But, of course, yeah. like you said, it depends on the terrain. It can be bouncing you around quite a bit. You need to have some fitness there. You can get pretty sore off the saddle, I suppose. Number five. I'm sorry. No, we're at seven. Skiing. This is something I love to travel and do. So I'm definitely in, in the on the side of going somewhere to go skiing, like going to destinations specifically to ski. Oh, sure. But, 100%. You know, I took my honeymoon in Europe with my lovely wife, and we happened to cross a ski area. We didn't plan a trip to ski. Yeah. But, you know, we did it. We had a great time. Yeah. So skiing can is just amazing. Too. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, of course, in Colorado, it's just a way of life. Yeah. What is your favorite ski resort in Colorado? Oh, 
favorite, so I don't like extreme words like best, worst. Well, you're the favorite. one that asked me what's the coolest. <laughs> well, you know, time to turn the tables a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you bet. That one came to bite you. <laughs> <laughs> I love the back bowls at Copper. Yeah? Yeah, really? Copper, the, the high extreme double blacks at Copper, I think, are awesome. Yeah. Really, really good. I love skiing a basin. For a similar reason, they yeah. just have some really neat variety of their terrain. But one of the the best kept secrets is uh, Wolf Creek. Yeah, yep. I haven't skied there yet. Uh, I have to. I've, they get a ton of snow. I'm always checking yeah, the ski I mean, reports. Snow is just it, it piles and piles and piles. Yeah. And the runs are not as long, but the variety of terrain that they offer is just unmatched. I mean, I think Vale for me gets the nod because of the size, the sheer size, and the sure. amount of trails. But Secretly, I think Steamboat might jump in there into the number one spot sometimes because of the glades, the open glade skiing. I, I love being in the trees, but I don't like when they're so tight that yeah. it's near impossible. Let's move on to number six, fishing. Added it in there. I mean, you mentioned fishing is like sure, fly fishing, fishing around. You know, well, you know, there's... pretty easy to bring. The poles are light. You can travel with them pretty easily, and you can rent stuff no matter where you go. And uh, you buy a a license for a day and you go out i'm deep sea fishing and there's a a kind of a new sport where people are deep sea fly fishing so they're catching 300 pound fish on a fly rod really yeah so there's some crazy stuff there are places where they will take you out and drop you off in the in kind of the tidal shallows where you can fly fish standing on a sandbank with no land in sight yeah you know, spend hours standing in the middle of the ocean catching fish after fish after fish. That's pretty adventurous in my book. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like, I mean, definitely I'm not including the guys or the gals sitting by the ponds, you know, drinking a six-pack of beer. <laughs> I don't know if that's, a, it starts to get a little murky, I suppose, but that's what these lists do occasionally. Let's go on to number five, surfing, which is something I just finished doing in Portugal. Uh, we were there, and I think surfing's an awesome thing to do when you're traveling because, you can find a good beginner break, and if there's a surf break, there are always going to be surf shops with boards that they will rent to you so you can try it out. It's just uh, it's a very difficult sport. I think it's incredibly difficult, probably the hardest sport I've ever done. I've, I, think, I always say I think surfing is the hardest sport just below boxing. Think about boxing. You're getting pummeled. You're getting like, you have to be in shape. I mean, I think surfing does pummel you. You know, I, I tried it once in the Pacific Northwest. We're talking about 50 degree water, full wetsuit, hood, gloves, everything. And uh, they said, have you surfed before? I said, well, I body surfed. Yeah. And they said, all right, pull out the nine foot soft top. <laughs> yeah. This board must have yeah. weighed 60 pounds. <laughs> but I got out there in some swells. And I'm telling you what, I got worked. Yeah. Did I ever get worked? And when that nine-foot board would shoot ten feet in the air over your head, mm. holy Duck. cow. Yeah. <laughs> Take your head right off. Yeah, it's it's so hard, but so so fun to try. I mean, if you like to get out in the water. There are places like in Hawaii when it's uh, the, sort of the low season, I would say, in Waikiki, where you can get like two, three-foot waves in bathtub water and just cruise, and there's no tide or... There's not much to deal with in terms of drowning or you're, it's pretty safe. So there are a lot of different places you can try it like that too. So if it's something you're interested in trying, check out, uh, there's a couple good apps. One I think is magic seaweed that gives you surf breaks all over the world. That's a fun one to check out if you're daydreaming and you want to think about surfing. Maybe we should run through the rest of these here quickly. Number four, biking. 
bike touring. I've, I've interviewed a lot of bike oh, yeah. touring people that have gone all over the world. Alistair Humphreys, Tom Allen. He's, it's a really cool way to, to travel, I think. Sure. We interviewed yeah. Willie Weir, who did 60,000 miles on a bike. And he's been all over the, the world. And his point was really interesting. He's a traveler. Yeah. And he became a biker because he found it to be his favorite mode of travel. Not because he loved biking. He didn't set out to bike around the world. Instead, he set out to travel and found that biking was the best way for him to do it. I think biking is awesome. I found a similar story through the people that I've... T- I did an epic bike rides week. <laughs> so it was like four or five episodes with just all people that have biked tens of thousands of miles. Nice. And I, similar thread, I think. It was just people that, hey, I'm just going to do this and this is a great way to travel ended up loving i think being on the bike being in the saddle and seeing the world in that way but they all said you don't really need to be fit to do it believe it or not so i think in that way it's pretty accessible because once you get the gear you have the bike you have your luggage that's really all you need you got your you know your tent and everything you have everything you need but they said it just took a couple weeks to get fit and then after a couple weeks they were fine so it was a little bit tough in the beginning but i think in that way physically we haven't talked a lot about the physical side of adventure sports and traveling but i think physically it's it's doable it just might be it might not be doable go to like 100 miles the first day no no but the beautiful thing about biking too is that there are so many different ways to do it now i mean you can rent a bike at any resort town and and pedal around town and have a great time and and i would encourage people to do that just anything that gets you off the couch and out into the community that you traveled to go see right But uh, here's another one for you. Brett Davis. He, this summer, got together with some guys and got on expedition bikes with, like, the five-inch wide tires. And they did an expedition in Alaska where they biked over the Brooks Range. And they also rafted through canyons and then rafted out toward the Arctic Ocean. And they did this whole thing on these expedition bikes and rafts. And who would have thought that you could travel without trails... You know, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles through wilderness, you know, on a bike like that. Yeah. Really, really cool. And you'll notice as we get into these, I guess the top five, really, and top four, we're getting into all the human-powered stuff. Because that is the easiest. I mean, all you need to do is move your body. So we got a number three, hiking and trekking, which is... You know, it's a first cousin of mountaineering. It just yeah. means that the slope's not as steep. But absolutely, man. You get in the car and you go, well, let's start at the top. You're on an airplane. You look down and you see the patchwork below. You land. You say, where am I? Right? You drive through with a car and you saw a lot, but you missed a lot. You go through on a motorcycle and it's like, well, I'm really starting to soak this up. You get on a bicycle and you start to see the details. You remember the pebbles and the gravel, right? And then you start to hike. Now you're there. That's a pace where you can fully experience your environment. You're really immersed in it. You can see, feel, touch, taste, everything. And so I think people discount it too much. They go, oh, why would I want to go on a long hike? Well, I tell you why to go on a long hike because you have a lifetime experience. It's just wonderful. Yeah, agreed. And there are also various types of hikes. So we talked about through hiking earlier, and we've both talked to people that have hiked uh, great distances, say on the Appalachian Trail or some of those popular through hikes. But also there are many hikes and treks around the world that take you through villages, take you through small towns. So it's not just like you're secluded in the forest all the time. You're going to end up in in a village or, or somewhere where you're maybe staying in, you know, who knows where you're sleeping. And I know in the San, uh, community of Santiago, you sleep in monasteries. And there's all these different types of adventures that you can incorporate, I think, like the urban and the nature-based activity and kind of blend it together. I think that's really interesting. I noticed in some developing countries, 
that the roads just really aren't that developed. There's yeah. so much of the country you won't see unless you're on foot. And that's where the hiking that's comes true. in. Yeah. It's and just a lot to see. Getting to place where, places that you wouldn't be able to get to with a vehicle. Yeah, and unlike the United States, there are vast communities in these places that people right. only walk to. Right. Pedestrian only that's because true. that's the only way. That's Nepal. We, uh, we were walking seven days, and the, the people that live there, when they want to go to the city, they have to walk seven days to <laughs> exactly. get there. It's crazy, but they probably walk faster than we do. Maybe they make it in five days. I don't know. Number two, running. And I just had, I had to put this in there because I just kept thinking about Forrest Gump and his big beard. You know? But there are people that travel around to go to all kinds of 5Ks and races and fun runs and sure. ultra marathons, and that's a very popular traveling sport, I think. Oh, yeah. The, in Colorado, there are a couple of off the top of my head. There's, a, there's one in Silverton that I, I believe is 100 miles. There's the, the Hard Rock 100. 100. Yeah. The Hard Rock 100 in Leadville. Um, these are amazing sports where people literally run for days and sometimes without stopping. Yeah. You know, sometimes I stop for an hour to sleep every 24 hours, but it's an amazing thing to do. Now, is that something that you just decide to do when you're, you know, traveling somewhere? I yeah. don't think so, but it's a mode of travel that people use. I yeah. interviewed a guy the other day who ran the Colorado Trail from um, Durango to Denver. Yeah. And so... You know, he put in his miles and he saw the trail. It was amazing. Yeah, and I, yeah, it's it's just uh, it's it's probably not something that I would like to do for weeks on end. I mean, I like to go for a good run, but I don't I don't know, man. Hundred mile trails and that's it's pretty extreme. It, How about this though? The people that enjoy running, don't forget your tennis shoes. Yeah, those uh, sunrise runs on the beach. Can't be yeah. beat. That's no, just absolutely. That's cool. Hundred percent. And number one. So let's go backwards here. I wanted to throw before we get number one out. Maybe we should get an honorable mention. I just had to throw this in as an honorable mention. Spelunking. Spelunking. <laughs> just to say spelunking. I just wanted to say the word spelunking. I think you spit on me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, absolutely. Spelunking is so cool, especially if you can find a place without handrails. Yeah. You can get in there, yeah. There's a litany of uh, honorable mentions that we won't get into because there's hot, Lord knows how many sports now. But let's recap here. We started at number 13, I guess. It was sailing. And at 12, we did gl- the gliding sports, hang gliding, paragliding, and so on. Uh, number 11? Scuba diving. Number 10, we got skydiving. Number 9? What was number 9? You probably can't read my writing. Mountaineering and rock climbing. There you go. Of course. Yep. Number 8? Motorcycle, overlands. We got 7 skiing, 6 fishing, 5 surfing, 4 biking, 3 hiking, 2 running. Number 1? Number 1? Walking. Walking. Now, is that an adventure sport? I, see, I would say it's an adventure. But the reason why I put it number one, or I don't know if we put it number one. I might have just thrown that in there really quick. Because I think it's the purest form of travel. I mean, I mean it's going back, you know, to, to the caveman days. Where, I mean, you just you walk. You walk places. And that your legs can take you anywhere. You mentioned a woman that you interviewed that walked all over the world. Even when I just walk from my apartment to downtown Boulder a couple miles, I find that it's a mini adventure, you know. So I guess I would lump it in as more of a adventure experience or an adventure in general than it is an adventure sport. You know, I want to take everyone back to when you were a kid. Before you had a driver's license, before you even knew how to ride a bike, what did you do? 
what was the size of your world yeah. at that age of discovery. Yeah. You can relive that just by leaving the car keys at home and walking. It really can. And I also think about all the amazing destinations all around the world where pedestrians are, you know, that's the way you get places. I'm thinking about some of the, the Mediterranean villages with this, the steep streets, you know, the cobblestones and the amazing buildings where walking is what you have to do to see it. Walking is, is beautiful. Yeah. Slow down. Now, if you had to pick one thing off of this list before we wrap this up, and do that on your next trip. Your next trip was going to be based around that one activity. What would you choose? Honestly, and it's because of my co-host Travis, I want to take an adventure bike and ride a motorcycle to South America. Nice. Are you going to do that someday? It is, it's on the bucket list, absolutely. I love it. If I had to choose... Oh, man, that's tough. I think surfing again just i just did it in portugal so i got all geeked up on it again and i think it will be fun to to hit some waves plus being in colorado we're not near the beach so it's kind of refreshing to have a a nice ocean breeze hitting your face kurt i think that's it and we talked about a lot today do you have anything else to add to this i mean you know i only want to add if you haven't tried out the zero to travel podcast do that there's some cool stories, great tips about how to afford travel, how to make it part of your lifestyle, how to manage it, because travel's not always easy. And Jason and his guests do a great job, so give a listen. Well, thank you so much, and I will reciprocate that feeling. The Adventure Sports Podcast, as you heard Kurt mention, you've had some incredible guests that have done superhuman feats i think so if you're into hearing more about the adventure sports side of things obviously the guests you interview incorporate a lot of travel into their lives people walking around the world and motorcycling everywhere and it's just a great podcast so definitely be sure to check that out and i just want to say thanks i mean it's always a pleasure to do these in-person chats and kurt you made the effort to come down here and hang out in boulder tonight so whenever i'm in person i kind of like to high five it out (laughs) well jason thank you too it's been a lot of fun and i'm just honored to be on your show man same here well let us know what you think and i think that's about it we'll see you next time right on and until next time get out there and have some fun (laughs) take care a guest on our show. All you need to do is go to adventuresportspodcast.com and click the contact us button.